Welcome to the One Hope Church podcast, where we believe Jesus is our one hope for a better life and a better world. We hope this message encourages you. We're going to continue this conversation we've had for the past five weeks about the questions that Jesus has asked throughout the Gospels. If this is your first Sunday, first, I love that you're here. We want to be part of your life. We'd love for you to be part of what God's doing in through this place. You may need to go back, and if you want to see the questions that Jesus has asked, um, like I said, we're in five, five weeks, our fifth week. But Jesus asked these questions because he wants to challenge us. He wants to challenge us to evaluate what's going on underneath the surface. Wants to evaluate, are there things in your life that just need to turn just a bit? Joey just testified that from the outside, life looked like it was great and he had it together, but there was something inside that needed to turn, be transformed. This is the work of Jesus. So we've got two more weeks of questions that Jesus asked. And for today, I'm going to ask you, if you have a Bible, I want you to get it out. If you've got a phone and you're used to using an app on your phone, get it out. Because we're going to go to John chapter 6. But we've got a lot of text to read today, okay? This is an abnormal amount of text we're going to read through. And as I speak, you may want to uh, look back as I reference some things that happened in John. So we're going to go John chapter 6. And and can I remind you right before I speak, today we are going to have communion at the end. And if you didn't get communion on the way in, you're not going to bother me. If you need to go grab communion real quick and uh, bring it back to your seat, that'll be fine. It's at all the entrances. But John chapter 6, while you're going, we're going to start, we're going to read from verse 25. But let me tell you what is going on the first 24 verses of John chapter 6. Jesus is getting a name for himself. Jesus is becoming a name that people talk about from village to village, town to town. Jesus has done miraculous things, and upon doing them, people are talking about them. You know that's what happens. When the spectacular things happen, people start talking about it. People start sharing about it. This is what's happened with Jesus. So now Jesus is with his 12 disciples— and it says that they, it looks like they're like in a green field. It looks, there's green grass around them. And all of a sudden, a bunch of people walk up to him because they've heard about Jesus. And they want to experience Jesus. They walk up. And as they're walking up, Jesus asks the disciples, where we, or tells them, we need to get food for these people. You've heard this story before. This is where the disciple says, it's going to take eight months of wages to feed all the people who have just, who have just showed up. There's thousands, multitude of people. Jesus knows what he's going to do. And this is the story where Jesus uses the, the boy with the loaves and the fish, and he feeds them. Well, what happens is, after the people experience this miracle, It says that Jesus knew that they would want to make him king, so he retreated into the mountains. Story continues. After this event, Jesus tells the disciples to go to the other side of the lake. And this is where another story happens that you know, is on the way to the other side of the lake, it gets dark. And then Jesus decides to go meet them. And they see this figure on the water, and there's storms going on, and they think it's a ghost. And Jesus says to them, don't be afraid. 
They realize it's him, and he gets into the boat, and the storms stop, which we could preach about that too as well, but we won't. We're going to move on today. And they go to the other side of the lake. The next day, people are now looking for Jesus. And they know that there was a boat, and the disciples left on the boat, but they also know that Jesus didn't leave on the boat. It's like, where is he? So they go to one side of the lake. They can't find him there. Then they go to another place. And this place is called Capernaum. And if you've ever heard me, or you've heard me talk about it, if you're, if you're around, is that Capernaum is like home base for Jesus. Okay? Home base for Jesus. And, and this is where a lot of ministry is done. I'm excited. In a week and a half, I'm taking people to Israel. I'm going to show them Capernaum. It's going to be really cool in the synagogue there. And this is where verse 25 meets up. This is what's happened before, and now verse 25, and I want you to follow along with me, and I've got a bunch to read. When they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered, very truly I tell you, you are looking for me not because you saw the signs I performed, those miracles, previously, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Then they asked him, what must we do to get the works God requires? Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. So they asked him, what sign, I referenced that earlier, I was talking, what sign will you show us? Will you give us that we may see it and then believe in you? What will you do? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness. They're going back to the Old Testament. They're going back to after the Israelites were uh, uh, let, uh, out, out of slavery in Egypt and, and, and God provided food for them. Our ancestors ate manna in the wilderness, as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. And Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, I'm the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me and still do not believe. All those the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I'll never drive away. For I've come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is what the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of those who has given me, but raise them up at the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in Him shall have eternal life, and I will raise them up in the last day. At this, the Jews began to grumble. Pause real quick, because it's a lot of text. I tell you all the time, I want you to leave your seat in Tuscaloosa and try to imagine, imagine this happening. I know you haven't seen Capernaum, but imagine this happening. At this, the Jews began to grumble about him because he said I'm the bread that came down from heaven they said is this not Jesus the son of Joseph whose father and mother we know how can we how can he now say I came down from heaven 
Stop grumbling amongst yourselves, Jesus answered. No one came, can come to me unless the Father has sent me draws them, and I'll raise them up in the last day. It is written in the prophets that they will be taught by God. Everyone who has heard the Father and learned from him comes to me. No one has seen the Father except the one who's from God. Only he has seen the Father. Very truly, I tell you, the one who believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, yet they died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which anyone may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Then the Jews began to argue sharply amongst themselves. How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise them up in the last day, for my flesh is real food, and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in them. Just as the living Father sent me, I live because of the Father. So the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Your ancestors ate manna and died. But whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. He said this while teaching in the synagogue in Capernaum. Now verse 60, on hearing it, many of his disciples said, This is hard teaching. Who can accept it? Aware that his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, Does this offend you? Then what if you see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before? The Spirit gives life, the flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you, they are full of the Spirit and life. Yet there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus known from the beginning which of them did not believe and who would betray him. He went on to say, This is why I told you, that no one can come to me unless the Father has enabled them. Now, verse 66, from this time, many of his disciples turned turned back and no longer followed him and here's the question we finally arrived at jesus question today you do not want to leave too do you jesus asked the 12 you do not want to leave too do you jesus asked those closest to him jesus Questions are meant to challenge and push past the facade and dig deep into the inner parts of us of what is going on. John is writing this letter, this gospel, because he's trying to get people to see who Jesus is and what the real calling of their life is. And this is not always going to be easy. Following Jesus is not always easy. As I said earlier, but I think is totally worth it. What I want to do is very simple today. I want us to look at the sixth chapter of John and pull out maybe some nuggets of truth where he wanted to challenge them and still wants to challenge you today of where you stand.
And the first thing I want to pull out this morning, first thing I want to put in front of you, is that it is easy to make Jesus the king in our lives when we get what we want from him. It is easy to make Jesus the king of my life when I get what I want from him. Has this ever been true for you? That Jesus is your king, is your Messiah because of what you get. Why why did Jesus have to retreat into the mountainside? Because they got from him what they were looking for. And once they realized this person can give me this, they wanted to elevate him into the seat of king because if I can get from him this, then I'm going to then uh, we could say worship. We could say give ourselves to it. There will always be a temptation in our lives to make something king when it provides something for us. You do this every day and you don't always know you're doing it. I wrestle with this every day and I don't always know I'm doing it. That I'm elevating things in my life because it allows me to get what I want. What we call this is, is idolatry. Throughout Scripture, people worship things, golden calves, other gods, God of rain, the God of fertility, the God of harvest, worship, put Him in the place of authority as king, because this is what I want from this God this thing it is easy to make Jesus king if, if he gives us what we want and that is the story of the beginning of this I often think that the sins of our life come from the place where we have a desire and something can meet that desire so we make it king of that moment. This is where addictions come from. This is where s sexual dis indiscretions come from. This is where we spend our money in places we know we shouldn't because this desire we have elevates to the place of king in our life. This is what they're trying to do with Jesus. And we consistently do that. We give authority to things in our life because it delivers something we want. And so John makes it very clear. This is what they were doing. And Jesus calls them out on it. Which brings me to the second thing, is that it is possible to pursue Jesus as the provider for our life, but not the Savior of our life. Do you know that is possible? People went from this side of the lake to that side of the lake to another side of the lake trying to pursue Jesus, but the question is, why? What did Jesus say? 
You aren't looking for me because you saw the signs of the miraculous that would put me in the place of being the Messiah. You're following me because you want your bellies full. I gave you food. We can pursue Jesus because he provides for our life, provides this hope that we can find in him, the security we can find in him. We can find that uh, it just seems like the right thing. I want to go to heaven. Uh, I, what are the things we go for that we hold on to Jesus? We can pursue him because he's the provider, but never make him the Messiah. And Jesus, them out sometimes Jesus has to call us out I told you today is not going to be one of those light feel good messages because John 6 is not written that way Jesus has a question where he wants to really look at our lives that we will do almost anything to keep something in our life that meets a desire that we have. Even if it's unhealthy, we will do whatever we can to stay connected to that thing because it meets a desire. And sometimes we can put Jesus in that same seat. And sometimes we need to look and say, why are we pursuing Jesus? Why are we doing all of this? Which leads me to the third thing. Is that our motives for following Jesus are often revealed in how we respond when he offers himself, not the stuff we want in life. You want to know why you're following Jesus? What if he just offered himself and that's all we got? How would we respond? The reason I read all of that text today is because you see the change in the people when he said, I'm the bread of life. You saw the response from the people and Jesus reminded them that the food that their ancestors got still led to death. You saw the response when he said that the bread that actually leads to life. And when they say, give us that bread, you see the response, and he goes, that's me. Things changed. Everything changed in this dynamic. And it has to be put to you, it has to be put to me. What happens when Jesus says, what you need most, what I want to give you, what is really the most important is not the thing, but it's me. What if Jesus rejected giving you the things you're hoping he would do in your life? And he said, all you need is me. What would it do? What would it do? Their motive was the bread, not Jesus, who was the bread, the sustainer of life. And he has to call it out. Which 
leads me to my fourth thing I want to pluck out of John chapter 6. When the life Jesus is calling us to is inconvenient, Jesus says, will you still believe? Up until this moment, they had gotten everything they wanted from Jesus. Jesus was a very convenient person in their life. We're hungry? Fast food. Let's go. I'm hungry. You give me what I've come for. See, you may not think this is a lot, but we're talking about many poor, poor people. That just getting food was probably on the top of their mind. They didn't always have a surplus of food. Now they've seen an abundance of food from this man who makes them never have to worry about what they need to sustain them for that day. But the moment he began to explain to them, to get what you really need, you're going to have to embrace me, all of me. To really get what you're looking for, you're going to have to eat my flesh and drink my blood. You're going to have to like, really consume who I am, take in what I am. They have very hard teachings in this moment. And can I tell you that the life that Jesus is calling us to is very rarely convenient. The life that Jesus is calling us to rarely fits into what we have been brought up with, this American dream. This is what success is. I don't think I can tell you enough that the following or the calling of Jesus on our life doesn't match this world very much. It's very oil and water, we want to bring them together, but it never can happen. The life that Jesus is calling us to is to die to yourself. And the only way to find life is through Him, nothing that you do. That is not very America. The life that Jesus is calling us to is one of sacrifice. It's one of service. It's one of generosity. This is opposite of what people tell us we should be aspiring to. This life of Jesus is not very convenient. At the beginning of the message, after Joey spoke his sermon, then gave me time to speak one, after Joey, hey bro, you're great. I'm so proud of you. I said, I love, I love these moments. Salvation, baptism. I love celebrating that. But I also reminded you, this is not a landing spot. This is the place where life is launched from. It's not about what was, it's about what will be as you give your life to Jesus but that life, that commitment, it's not very easy. 
And so what often happens is we take this moment, we celebrate it, and one hope cheers, because we are very good at cheering and encouraging of each other. I love you in this place. But we take this moment, and then this is all it is. Now I'm a Christian. And I just live life. see is life is about something different because a follower of Jesus lives the life of a follower of Jesus is completely different than any other life we'll see lived around us the life of a follower of Jesus is not convenient it is not convenient to put other people first it is not convenient to say no to things that everybody else can say yes to it is not convenient to give away what you have and that's why i said it's not always easy but i'm telling you it's the best life available it just might not look like it on the surface until you get into it until you start living it the right way Jesus says you have to consume all of me who I am my teachings this is where life is found this is the bread of life that you guys really need not the bread that you follow me for will you still believe actively believe in Jesus when life and his teachings aren't convenient brings me to the last one Jesus will not hold you hostage he wants you to choose him you saw this in his question right and as I read this question again I don't want you to read it with the tone of Jesus being insecure this question he asked does not come from a place of like I'm trying to convince you I need followers you don't want to leave too, do you? You have an invitation. But Jesus is going to fulfill the mission that God has sent him on. His Father has sent him with or without you. He will accomplish the mission that God has sent. But you have an invitation. You have a choice. It's in your hands. Are you going to respond to this calling from Jesus like the people we saw that thousands left it said? Or are you going to do what we haven't read yet, but one of the most brilliant responses you'll ever see in Scripture to the calling of Jesus? Peter says in verse 68 and 69, Lord, to whom shall we go you have the words of eternal life we have come to believe and to know that you are the holy one of god where am i gonna go yeah the teaching is offensive yeah the teaching is hard yeah you're asking a lot from me you're asking to not to not chase or pursue you for what you can give me you want me to pursue you for you and that this is where life is found you don't want me just to have the deepest desire for bread on this earth you want the bread of life you don't want us to be like the people our ancestors where we were satisfied with manna from heaven and then they started complaining that wasn't even good enough that you want us to find bread that's real life this is what you want from us and peter goes 
yeah, it's hard, but where else are we going to go? You have the words to life. You have the words that, from a holy God. So we're taking communion today. So again, if you haven't grabbed one, go grab one. We're taking communion today. When we take communion, it gives us an opportunity to do two things. Listen to me. Listen to me. It gives you a chance to give thanks in remembrance. Hear me. There's movement in the room. Look at me. To give thanks in remembrance and to make a commitment in remembrance. We are very good at declaring what Jesus has done in our life to the world. You died on the cross, we rose again. We're very good at receiving that. I don't know if we're as good at saying, because you did that, now I will give my life completely to you. We're not as good at saying, I know what that means for my life and what the calling is now. If Jesus can be offensive, can I be a little bit this morning? May we not be people who receive his death and resurrection than not live out what that death, death and resurrection calls us to. Communion gives us an opportunity. Communion gives an opportunity to say, I'm not just going to be on the receiving end, but I'm going to give my life the same way he gave it to me. So that's what we're going to do today. I'm going to give you an opportunity in remembrance, eat his flesh, drink his blood. I'm going to give you an opportunity just to say, God... If there's another level I need to go, speak to me because I want to consume all of you. All of your teachings, all of you as a person. And so as we do here, we're going to end in worship and the altars are open. Your seat can be a place, can be turned into a seat of an altar. But as you take this bread and drink this juice, it's more than an act we do. It's to transform something in us. And if you haven't given your life to Jesus, this is the perfect opportunity. <laughs> Joey, you set me up too good. Joey says the day, like, what are you waiting for? You are loved, you are cared for, you're provided for, everything you need. And if you have been holding back anything, this is the time to say, Jesus, I give you my life because you gave me yours. And I'm going to live out the calling you have for me because of what you did. This is the time to do it. And so this is pretty simple. Take the teachings of John. Take communion today. And whatever God speaks to you, I'll be completely satisfied with. Heavenly Father, we give you ourselves. Because you gave yourself to me, to us. You sometimes had to challenge us because we get stuck in settling for lesser things in life. And we say yes to things we should say no to, and we say no to things we should say yes to. And today I pray we say yes to you of what you did and receive that love, but out of that, that we would then die to ourselves and give ourselves to you. It's not convenient, it's hard teaching, it's hard living, but it's the best life possible. So God, speak to your church today. And may we always be obedient.
God, if there is anybody in the room who would like to give their life to you, God, may we just know it's simple as, God, I believe you died on the cross. Forgive me for my sins, how I haven't, I haven't been living in the obedience with you. And I give my life to you. God, we are yours. It's your name we pray. Thank you for listening to this message from One Hope Church. If you liked this message and would like to hear more, check out our website at OurOneHope.com for message archives, service times, and more information on how you can get connected. Thanks again for listening, and we hope to see you soon.